0: This is CPX number 72, the Eucharist in the Early Church. Hello, my name is Father David Nix, and this is the Padre Peregrino podcast. Today is a little bit different, but fun, I hope. I want to tell you how the earliest Christians thought of the Eucharist and the Roman Church. So we're going to divert a little bit from CPX, but it's obviously on topic if you're following along. Now, some of you are going to want to send these words, this podcast, this video, to um, maybe Protestant and Orthodox friends. Um, so you can either send this video or this podcast or my blog this week called St. Ignatius of Antioch on the Eucharist and unity with Rome that you can find at www.padreperegrino.org Sometimes it's easier to send on the, um, the words in text form than in audio form. And Vatican B-rolls, thanks to the Wander YouTube channel, which you'll enjoy if you're watching this on YouTube or Bitshoot. But let's jump in. St. Ignatius of Antioch was a disciple and close friend of St. John the Evangelist. Obviously, St. John the Evangelist wrote five books of the New Testament, so we're talking really, really, really early in the history of Christianity here. Now, what would St. Ignatius of Antioch say, this first century saint who lived at 1st and 2nd century, what would he say to, say, a Protestant or an Eastern Orthodox today asking him questions about salvation? Well, I compose the following questions, kind of putting words in the mouth of a modern Christian, be that a Catholic or a Protestant or an Orthodox. I compose the following questions, but all of the answers come verbatim from this saint and martyr, Ignatius of Antioch, around the year 100 A.D., So I'll give you source and date for all of these quotes, all of these answers to the questions I made up. Again, questions for me, answers from a first century saint and friend of the apostles and martyr, Saint Ignatius of Antioch. The first question, how is Jesus with us after his resurrection? Answer from Saint Ignatius of Antioch. I have no taste for corruptible food, nor for the pleasures of this life. I desire the bread of God, which is the flesh of Jesus Christ, who is of the seed of David, And for drink I desire his blood, which is love incorruptible. Letter to the Romans, 7.3, AD 110. Another answer from St. Ignatius of Antioch. Take note of those who hold the heretical opinions of the grace of Jesus Christ, which has come to us, and see how contrary their opinions are to the mind of God. They abstain from the Eucharist and from prayer, because they do not confess that the Eucharist is the flesh of our Savior Jesus Christ, flesh which suffered for our sins and which that Father in his goodness raised up again. They who deny the gift of God are perishing in their disputes. Letter to the Smyrnians, seven one A.D. 110. Question two, is salvation in the church or in a book? Answer from St. Ignatius of Antioch. Be not deceived, my brethren. If anyone follows a maker of schism, he does not inherit the kingdom of God. If anyone walks in strange doctrine, he has no part in the passion of Christ. Take care then to use one Eucharist so that whatever you do, you do according to God. For there is one flesh of our Lord Jesus Christ and one cup in the union of his blood. One altar as there is one bishop with a presbytery and my fellow servants, the deacons. Letter to the Philadelphians, 33 one A.D. 110. Question number three. But must one be in union with the Catholic Church? Answer from St. Ignatius. Make certain, therefore, that all you observe one common Eucharist, for there is but one body of our Lord Jesus Christ, and but one cup of union with his blood, and one single altar of sacrifice, even as there is also but one bishop and his clergy, with my own fellow servitors, the deacons. This will ensure that all your doings are in full accord with the will of God. Letter to the Philadelphians, number 4, AD 110. Another answer from St. Ignatius of Antioch. Let no one do anything of concern to the church without the bishop. Let that be considered a valid Eucharist, which is celebrated by the bishop or by one whom he ordains. Wherever the bishop appears, let the people be there, just as wherever Jesus Christ is, there is the Catholic Church. Letter to the Smyrnians, 8 to 80, 110 Question number four, but does Catholic mean universal or Roman? Answer from St. Ignatius of Antioch. Ignatius, to the church also, which holds the presidency in the location of the county of the Romans, worthy of God, worthy of honor, worthy of blessing, worthy of praise, worthy of success, worthy of sanctification, and because you hold the presidency in love, Named after Christ and named after the Father. Letter to the Romans one, 1 A.D. 110 Another answer from St. Ignatius, You, the church at Rome, have envied no one, but others you have taught. I desire only that what you have enjoined in your instructions may remain in force. Letter to the Romans 3, one A.D. 110 And that's everything for my question and answer with a dead saint. But I have a few more things to say. I realize non-Catholic Christians might hear this and say, well, that's nice, but church fathers aren't as high of a written revelation as the Bible. This is true, but everything I quoted you came from writing that existed at least 200 years before the choosing of the books of the Bible, also called the canonization of the Bible. By canonization, I don't mean the writing of the Bible, but the choosing of the books that went into the Bible, which, by the way, was only done by Catholic popes and bishops, not lay people. This is a historical fact. Now, some people might still say, ah, but that's still not the word of God to quote a church father. That's true, but here's the thing. If St. Ignatius of Antioch, who is the best friend of St. John, who wrote five books of the Bible, got it wrong, none of us nowadays can get it right. But it's more than just that. As I just read you, St. Ignatius of Antioch around the year 100 AD taught the physical presence of the Eucharist being not a symbol but real And he also taught the unity with the Roman church being so tremendously important for salvation, again in the year 110 A.D. So it should make Eastern Orthodox and Protestants squirm a little bit, since he presumably got these truths from St. John the Evangelist, who wrote a good chunk of the New Testament. So if God's own desires were not found until the Eastern Orthodox broke from Rome in the 11th century, or the Protestants broke from Rome in the 16th century, then what do you do with John 14:26? It's in John 14:26 where Christ said, "But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you." So either those words are true from the very beginning with the quotes I gave you on the importance of Rome from Saint Ignatius of Antioch or the church had failed the Russian Orthodox for 1,100 years of their own saints, including Eastern saints like St. John Chrysostom and St. Maximus the Confessor, who wrote of the primacy of place of Rome long after Ignatius, but before the schism. Also, if Martin Luther in the 16th century, if that man knew more about the mind of God than everything I just read you from the best friend of the apostles, then nobody had the Holy Spirit for 1,500 years because it was the consistent teaching among all Christians in the early church that the Eucharist is the real flesh of Jesus Christ, and the Roman Catholic Church had the primacy of place of love and truth from the very beginning. As I've said on other podcasts, I'll leave Catholicism entirely if Protestants can find one non-heretical Christian in the first thousand years of Christianity that believed the Eucharist was symbolic, or if an Orthodox can find that the church in Rome was only hierarchical and not salvific. Well, some would retort back and say, St. Paul is a saint who never taught such later developments that you just claimed. But I would just point you to 1 Corinthians 11 on how he shows the Eucharist can be sacrileged. And remember, you cannot sacrilege a symbol. Therefore, the Eucharist is truly the flesh of Jesus Christ. Or maybe I'd show you even when St. Paul rebukes St. Peter in Galatians, showing that Paul is rebuking Peter for spending too much time with the Jews exclusively when, in fact, Peter was called to lead all the new Jewish converts to Christianity and all the Gentile converts to Christianity. Why? Because Peter was responsible for all. Primacy of the Roman Church again. But finally, why would this man, St. Ignatius of Antioch, be allowed to hang out with the apostles with such wacky ideas if they were not true? The fact is these ideas are true for all the apostles, namely a physical Eucharist and a Roman-based church. No, St. Paul had no opposition to any of this, and neither did the apostles. This is why the early church all called St. Ignatius of Antioch a saint, a martyr, and a friend of the apostles. You see, the fact is they all believed the same thing in the early church, just as some of us Catholics still do. This is the faith that saves. And despite the crisis in the Catholic Church right now, despite the infiltration of heretics into all aspects of our hierarchy, much like we saw in the 4th century Arian crisis, just as we came out of that, we please God will come out of this or Christ will return. Because the fact is the Roman Catholic Church remains God's church. Because somewhere, somehow, Catholics are keeping the same faith as St. Ignatius of Antioch. Please say an Our Father, for me, et benedictio de Mnipotentis, Pace Filii et Spiritus Sancti, descende super vos, et manet semper. Amen.